consistent self-improvement, everybody. You are now listening to American Gypsy Podcast. I am your host, Classic, and I am here with my co-host, Gypsy. And today we have Colin Thompson. He is the co-founder of Exchange Inc., an online education platform that is backed by AI and blockchain. Colin is a blockchain expert and holds several certification, including certified blockchain expert and IBM blockchain consulting. Welcome to the show, Colin. Colin, yeah, welcome. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me on your show. On your show. And I love your theme, consistent self-improvement. Yes. I agree 100%. Wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. Thank you. So to open up, tell us a little bit about, you know, where you're from and where you are presently. Yeah, so thank you. I am currently in Shanghai, China. I was born in Toronto, Canada. Grew up in the United States. I'm the I'm the the, the son of uh, double immigrants. My parents immigrated from Jamaica to Canada, and I guess they figured we're so close to the land of milk and honey, the U.S. Let's go from Canada to the U.S. So I am an immigrant to the U.S. and I love sharing that. I, I love sharing that because it tells the story of how you can really there is no limit to to your experiences. And I think by not being from the U.S. and having parents who are from Jamaica. It really gave me a desire to see the world and live abroad, which was what really brought me here to Shanghai, China, where I've been now for almost 14 years. Wow. What brought you, you know, what made you pick Shanghai? What brought you there? Yeah, great question. Um, I started here in Shenzhen, China, which is down south. So if you have a mobile phone or a laptop computer, odds are it came from that area of China. Um, that's where Huawei is. That's where um, Apple does a lot of their a lot of their um, contracting as well. What brought me to China, first of all, was my desire to get some get some other ways of living and thinking. Uh, growing up in one country, the majority of your life, you tend to think like that area. Now, again, being not from the U.S., in my household, it was Jamaica. Outside my household, it was America, United States. So we had that contrasting view. And my, my father always said, get more global experience. Now, luckily, back in 2006, I didn't have any kids and wasn't married yet, so I was freely able to travel. And I joined IBM with a distinct desire and reason that they could probably most likely get me abroad. And for most people, being able to go abroad, not for vacation, but to live, typically the best way to get there, the easiest way to get there is either going to university or going through an organization, a company who's gonna give you perhaps a, a two-year contract to work abroad. So um, I was able to come to China. And the reason I came to China, to answer your question, was because they said China. <laughs> <laughs> Had they said anywhere, quite frankly, I would probably said, okay. Yeah, I'm that way as well. (laughs) We're still looking for the next country. Yeah. So what is what is um did you say you you grew up in Jamaica? I grew up in actually I grew up in Toronto until the age of eight years old. So I'm not sure if that's called growing up or not, right? But then after that, I, I did move to the United States to Louisville, Kentucky where I spent the next, I want to say, 12, no, 12, 11 years, and then moved to Washington, D.C., went to Howard University, HBCU, big up Howard University, <laughs> and stayed in D.C., uh, chocolate country, for probably 16 years. So I spent the majority of my life in Washington, D.C. Okay. Wow. Okay. We actually used to live in D.C. Yeah. Yeah. D.C. Virginia. Beautiful. Beautiful. I was say beautiful, but wonderful, <laughs> wonderful city, wonderful area. 
region. Yeah, it was quite a, a, a different experience. We've had a couple of conversations about D.C., you know, and just. Yeah. And for me, growing up in Louisville, where it was very. Now, what was that not, like? It, it was it was great. It, it was for people, very blue collar, right? So very, very, very blue collar. So people did really work together. Um, it was small. Um, it wasn't until my older sisters went to Howard. So when I used to go visit them, that's where I saw the reality. I saw black people doing it. Whereas in Louisville, that wasn't the situation. But in D.C. and Peachy County, you see black people in roles of leadership, especially at HBCU. It's black everywhere. So it really changed our thinking again, saying, you know what, we don't have to. I'll give you an example. In my high school, we had student council. Student council, maybe five different roles, president, vice president, treasurer, yada, yada, yada. Maybe each year we had one black person, maybe, or one Asian person. Never saw all black on student council until I got to D.C. And wow, we can do things. I never knew that, right? <laughs> so it was very eye-opening. And once we got to D.C., all of us, we never left, right? My whole family's in D.C. just about. So once being in a place where you see people like you doing it big, it really changes your mindset. And it's very hard now to go back to Louisville for an extended amount of time because you know that that's not how it has to be. Wow. D.C. is where I picked up, um, I picked my cello back up. And okay. I also um, picked up street performing, which is something that mm-hmm. I brought out to L.A. and I did for a little bit as well. Good. And so, Good. And where, are you from? where are you originally from? I'm originally from Mississippi. Mississippi. Yeah, okay. That's why I was curious about Kentucky. Okay. Yeah. So you, you know, you know a little bit then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a, definitely a country boy. Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about X Chains and. Um, what you said is built on blockchain and I'm curious how you leverage that. Right. Other technology. So our platform is educa- educational platform. We do assessments, training and coaching, and we're still building it out right now. We do have our assessment platform completed and we have um, clients using it. And on our, our assessment platform, if you think of, for example, if you're going for a job and they may want to assess your skills they may want to assess your, your mindset and whatnot they will have you go online and take an assessment answer a number of questions that give them a better idea of how, how they should place you or what your capabilities are so we provide those assessments now we, we have a, a very i can't say the client name but we do have client one of the 32 amy basketball teams what we do each year is we before they go to the draft they will send in uh, and uh, uh, information about the, the rookies that they may be considering drafting. And they will then log in the rookies. Well, they're not rookies yet, <laughs> the aspiring rookies. They'll log in and take a barrage of questions, which helps the team that assess how these, these student development athletes may handle pressure, uh, may handle the spotlight, and it really helps them identify who they want to select. Now, the assessment isn't the final, you know, Quite frankly, how they play on, 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 the, on, the, on the basketball court is the main judge, right? But this helps to verify a few things. So um, we have that blocked by blockchain because, again, once these assessments are taken, those records live forever. We'll talk about what the blockchain is in a few minutes, but it's blockchain, it's blockchain backed. So all, the, all of the assessments are now in the ether, so to speak. They can be altered. And anybody who took assessments wants to go back and have the data, they own the data, not the organization who helped them take it. When did you first get into uh, the cryptocurrency 
and blockchain? Well, okay, so two separate things, right? So I first got into blockchain back in December of 2017. Okay. And I heard of blockchain and I knew that, you know, very rarely do we have an opportunity to get into a new technology early. Blockchain, blockchain's been around for a long time, but as far as it trying to be applied to business, it's relatively new. So I said, if I could learn blockchain now, um, in five, 10 years, I may be able to be a player in the, in, in the space. I'm still playing, I'm still growing my reputation, but um, I wanted to get into it because my background is IT. At Howard, I studied information technology. Um, my MBA is in e-commerce. So I really, always been interested and I want to make sure that if this is a new technology, let me get in now, learn it. And again, in a few years, hopefully I can be a player in the in the in the in the industry. Now cryptocurrencies I got involved, I want to say much later in 2018. A teammate of mine from Howard University, when I was at Howard, I wrestled, a teammate of mine had actually created his his own cryptocurrency. Um, we had a conversation and he brought me in asking to help him sort of market the cryptocurrency. Now that was that was a few projects ago, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, it's now what 2022. And you've seen the cryptocurrency market and industry the landscape change tremendously. Back in 2018, you may have heard of Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum, only a handful. Now there are literally thousands upon thousands upon thousands of cryptocurrencies. So being able to identify uh, which one is a smart investment being able to identify why as an individual you want to even get involved. Very good questions, which I'm sure we'll talk about today. Yes. So I guess we can start out with explaining what is, because um, for us, we're pretty new to the space. So even when he asked, you know, uh, when you said separated the blockchain versus uh, cryptocurrency, can you explain the two and the what's the difference uh, for someone Absolutely. who has no exposure? Yeah, so blockchain was created to support cryptocurrency, specifically Bitcoin. So it was created by Satoshi. <laughs> I can't say. Satoshi. Satoshi. Okay, Satoshi Nagamoto. Okay, so and we don't know who he is. So back in the back in I want to say the the early eighties or nineties, he created the blockchain to support having what we call a, a, a DLT, distributed ledger technology. And blockchain is really just a list of transactions. So think of an Excel spreadsheet and you have a list of transactions. What makes this special is this, this list is decentralized, meaning it's not owned by one central party. It is on thousands of computers globally. Each computer is called a node. I'm not gonna get too technical, right? But think about that one spreadsheet being on thousands of, of computers. Because on thousands of computers globally, everybody has the same copy. If one copy has something changed, the network will not accept it. So it's virtually impossible to change any records in a blockchain once it's been written. So each time you have what we call one block, so one block, let's say your spreadsheet has 1,000 rows. Once that those 1,000 transactions are put out to the network, that becomes one block. This process happens again, 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 and again. So each time that transaction goes out and a new block is formed, those blocks become the chain. Now what links them together is color cryptography on each one. So the information on block one 
that ties it to block two. Information on block two will tie it to block three. And if anything is altered, it will not be accepted. So it's, it's very, very secure. Um, so it's a, it's a distributed ledger technology, um, a, a database that has a list of every single transaction ever done on the blockchain, which means you can look back and see every transaction, which is very, very important. Right now, yeah. if you want to go look at your, let's say your, your, back, your bank transactions for nine, no, 2000 and 2000, if you go back to your bank, they may say to you, we only have three years of transaction available for you, right? You can't get your entire history. On a blockchain, it lives there forever. And oh yeah, it cannot be altered. That's very, very important because yeah. if you look at this in the context of food, so a few years ago, Walmart had an issue where they had to recall lettuce. Some of the lettuce was had, um, I forgot the actual term, this is salmonella, for example. And they had to recall that that, that uh, lettuce in almost all the stores in a region of the United States. Thousands and thousands of, of dollars, millions of dollars, excuse me, millions of dollars were lost. And it took them up to two and a half weeks to trace that bad lettuce back to the farm. Okay. So much, much disruption. Was that E. coli? Eco, thank you. E. coli. E. coli. Thank you. E. coli. Yeah. So now, what they did a few years ago, they said, let's incorporate blockchain. Because again, remember, every transaction can be traced back. Transactions can't be changed. What they did, they said, okay, let's look at this single avocado. How long will it take them to trace this avocado back to the actual farm? Three minutes. Three minutes. So think about that. Now that we can trace it back to the farm, we don't have to recall from every store. We can recall only the places where that actual avocado uh, avocado went to. So it, it was a game changer in the industry. That's one look at how um, blockchain is, is used now today to protect individuals. Now, when we talk about cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrency is nothing more than a digital asset that's used in the blockchain. So the blockchain is the the, the blockchain is the cash register. Cryptocurrency is the currency used in a cash register. Now, one thing about um, blockchains, and I think we'll talk more about tokens versus coins, yeah, but each blockchain is different. So you, you heard of Bitcoin, for example, and you may have heard of Ethereum, two very popular blockchains, but you cannot do anything with a Bitcoin in the Ethereum block blockchain. You cannot do anything with Ethereum on the Bitcoin blockchain. So different blockchains, but they both Pretty, pretty much serve the same purpose. Oh. Okay. Um, so what is the difference between a token and a coin? That's one of the things I was always curious about. Yeah, and people people get this mixed up. A lot of people think that um, tokens and coins are the same thing. And they do have one thing in common. They're both used on the blockchain. That's, that's the main commonality they have. They're both used on a blockchain. And one thing to add about cryptocurrencies, cryptocurrencies have, besides being a digital currency, they also have the digital, decentralized, peer-to-peer. Now, peer-to-peer is very, very, very important because peer-to-peer is one of the reasons why the blockchain was invented. And what this means is, if I, right now, if I want to send, Gypsy, if I want to send some money to you, or if you want to send some money to me, how can you do that? Um, Western Union or 
Venmo or Cash App, Zillay or whatever you call it. How do you pronounce it? Exactly. 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 There's something you must use to get it to me. It's not peer to peer. If I want to get money to you on blockchain, I can go directly from me directly to you. Right. There's nobody in the middle. And this is why financial institutions are very, very nervous. Because if you think about transferring money, I must go through my bank and they get what's called a fee. Right. And that's where they make a lot of money. But now with blockchain cryptocurrencies, there's no middleman. It's peer to peer. So this is just tremendous, right? I can send money to you directly and nobody else has to be involved. And of course, I can do that. This is global. This is a global way. So cryptocurrencies, the main things, peer-to-peer, global, decentralized, and of course, being digital. Some people kind of have a, you know, a negative view on, you know, cryptocurrency or, you know, even just, yeah, cryptocurrency in general. Why do you think that that is? Yeah, and, and let me put a pin and come back to that question. I want to finish up Yuki's question about... Okay, my uh, bad. I'm sorry. No, no that was my fault. I didn't finish it. So uh, a, 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 a coin, right? Let's see uh, BTC, Bitcoin, for example. Yes. So Bitcoin exists on the Bitcoin blockchain, right? And with Bitcoin, you can do a few things. You can buy products. Right. If you want to go somewhere and accept Bitcoin, you can buy products, right? You can use it as a store of value. A store of value means I want to take 100 US dollars. I'm going to buy 100 US dollars worth of Bitcoin. I'm going to buy it, leave it there for a year and come back. Now, all things being equal, it should still have that same rough, same value. So it's a store of value, roughly, right? You know how things are going up and down. Also, it can be used as a, a, as a unit of measurement. For example, if, if you go online and you want to purchase a lot of cryptocurrencies, it'll be done in the in the term of a BTC, right? So now BTC, if you want to buy, let's say, uh, five Ethereum, you'll have that five, uh, five Ethereum based on BTC. So let me give you a different example. In an online wallet, you may have a number of cryptocurrencies where you have one dollar balance, right? Mm-hmm. That dollar balance is not going to say 10,000 US dollars. It's going to have that 10,000 US dollars in Bitcoin, it'll say so 10,000 US dollars, maybe point, point 0.10 Bitcoin. So now it's being used as a used unit of measurement. All things being um, um, all things being measured in Bitcoin. So if you have, um, let's say, you have 10, 10 Ether, that 10 Ether won't say 10 Ether, it'll be whatever that 10 Ether value is in Bitcoin. So that's one way a coin is used. Now a token is different. Okay. Now again, the coin must be used on their network. BTC must use BTC on the blockchain. A token is different. So a token, and we use Ether because Bitcoin is a standalone um, uh, uh, blockchain. Ether is more of an environment. So within Ethereum, within Ethereum, you can have tokens. So so um, classic. If you created a classic t- token, you can use that classic token within Ethereum. Right, Ethereum has what's called ERC ERC twenty. That's their protocol for the for the for their coin. Meaning they can go in there, create a smart contract, and anybody can create a new token within the Ethereum ecosystem. So if you look at it, one big shopping mall. In that shopping mall, each store can have their own type of currency. In that shopping mall, right? Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, though, for them to really have transactions, they must be giving Ether a little bit of that money. Called the gas. So in a shopping mall, shopping mall, 
is owned by Ethereum, and everybody in there can have their own token. With Bitcoin, it's just Bitcoin by itself. You cannot use any other, other token within Bitcoin. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yes. And yeah. is there other, like, I know a lot of coins are built on top of Ethereum. Are there other ecosystems that tokens are built off of, or is that just Ethereum that is supporting tokens? There are, there's, there's Keybase, there's EOS. Um, there are so many different, different um ecosystem type type coins okay. um erc20 coin erc20 now i said erc20 type because okay. erc20 is specific to ethereum right. but you have um what's this other one you have one let me tell you you have one called um yeah you have one called what is dash is dash one Neo, okay, so, so Neo is Neo is, is similar, but Neo doesn't use ERC twenty. Neo uses what's called NEP five, right? And within their ecosystem, that's the protocol. So now more more projects are being um, um, created using that Ethereum model because within Ethereum you can use smart contracts. Within blockchain, within BTC you can't. And smart contracts allow you to have these contracts that are executed automatically no need for human intervention and those contracts live forever so people are seeing the light and they're saying it makes more sense now to maybe create a token and use and and have a project reside in somebody else's ecosystem only challenge there that it still is very expensive because ethereum is has a lot of high fees for any transaction so um, more projects are being, are being um, created that look to be cheaper to use than ethereum I was going to actually, you just mentioned it again, and I was going to uh, men- actually mention it. You mentioned it a little bit earlier, you mentioned gas, and this time you just said fees. But can you explain uh, gas fees to yeah. us and to the listeners? So, so I'll take a step back first and I'll give you the typical, again, with, 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 with BTC. So if you want to go out and send or receive or do any sort of transaction within most blockchains, there's going to be some sort of fee. Now, this fee is much lower than the fees you would pay in a typical financial institution. Now, using that uh, um, Bitcoin example, again, they're standalone. Within Ethereum, so again, look at the shopping mall example. Each store being having their own uh, token. Within that store, each time somebody has a transaction using that token, they're paying a fee to Ethereum. That fee is called a gas fee. And we call it gas fee because it allows you to what? To do things, to move, to move around and do things. So mm-hmm. each time that a transaction is made using any any of the tokens within that shopping mall, Ethereum is getting a fee that's called a gas fee. It's called Ether, right? It's called a gas fee. Right. Why is the Ethereum gas fee so much higher than like um, Binance, Smart Chain, or other? Um, right. Other I think systems. I think it's because Ethereum was the granddaddy, and when they built that blockchain, technology was a little different. A lot of times, when you when you have Ether set up, Ethereum set up, other people come in later and look at the code and learn and say, "Let me try doing it differently," and they can find ways of doing it smart, better, smarter, and faster. Whereas the granddaddy, they're kind of stuck in the in the way of doing it. It's sort of like IBM years ago, mm-hmm. large company, but they weren't nimble. Right. Other companies come behind them, they can use what I've even learned and become nimble. So it's the same thing. Technology has changed and it's much easier for new companies to 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 
to add on to what Ifa did, but doing what they're doing in much smarter and faster ways. So how do you see as far as society accepting, you know, cryptocurrency in the future? I, I mentioned earlier, you know, some people say have some negatives on it. Um, some people, you know, they're like, I'll wait to see if it's real. Right. Yeah. You know, what Can do I go you, back to the question first about people looking at it negatively? Sure. So, 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 so share with me. So what's some, some of the comments they have when they say looking at it negatively? What are some of the comments? Because there's so many different constructs for what people are coming from. Well, it's more of a, a, a perspective of it's looked at like gambling yeah. versus it's risky. Yeah, it's risky. Right. Okay. And so you're talking about investing, investing, right? Because mostly people, investing yeah. or, yeah. you know, or just more of it is even just the, the whole concept of cryptocurrency. Some people are hesitant about it. Yeah. So go back three, two, three years ago. The view was cryptocurrencies are terrible because drug dealers are using it. Right? People who want to do, who want to transfer money and unbeknownst to the government, they're using cryptocurrencies. So it was like, if you're a criminal, this is the criminal way of doing business. Mm. Now it's more, it's been more embraced. Right. And now it's more of, well, I don't know what it is. I can't put it in my hands. I don't know the logic. So to me, it doesn't make sense. It's like gambling. Now, one of the things I'll say is, I agree with you. A lot of things don't make sense on the use of it. We say that, you know, cryptocurrency must have a use case. A use case means we know it's going to be here for a long time. A use case is this cryptocurrency is used for this strong reason. And typically that means to purchase goods and services. Right now, you can't do that, really. <laughs> if you think about it, you're not going to go down to 7-Eleven and be able to buy anything using cryptocurrencies. You can't even go to your shopping mall and do that. So the use case for most cryptocurrencies is very, very weak. But they're still here. People are investing a lot of money into this. That's more because of the technology behind it. So people who don't understand it, it's hard for them to get behind it because they're seeing how, for example, you may see last year, around this time, I think Bitcoin was maybe, let's say 20,000 this time last year, let's say 20,000. By August, it shot up to maybe 50. I wanna say last, last maybe September, October, all time high. Yeah. Now it's back down to around 40. And they're seeing these fluctuations and they're saying, what's going on? They don't understand it, right? My view is, don't try to understand it because just look at are people buying it? Are people involved? The answer is yes. If you have, let's say, a couple of hundred dollars you can, you can spare, jump in. You're not going to necessarily lose your money today. <laughs> Maybe you will down the road. Who knows? But go back and look at most cryptocurrencies five years ago, and you will see that they have gained so much in value. It's ridiculous. Even what BTC is now at, at around 40,000, people say, well, it was 70,000 few months ago so it's doing terrible go back a year ago go back a year ago see where it was a year ago it was much lower so people have to have perspective here so people who come to me and say colin um um i don't know about cryptocurrencies i say okay then don't know about it don't know about it then right but anybody can go and do a little research and you don't have to become an expert do a little research put your put your little pinky toe in a pool that's how you're going to learn about it. I guarantee you, you put $500 in there, you'll learn more about it. You, you, you'll, you'll do your research. You'll, you'll look at it here and there. But people who are, who are looking at it like a negative thing, 
I don't think it's anybody's role to talk them out of it and say, here's why it's a positive thing. Let them do their own research. Okay. How do you personally, um, on the investing side, how do you personally decide what to invest in and what are some um, tips you have for people when they're looking to get into investing in cryptocurrency? Yeah, so let me first say that I am not a financial advisor. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Neither are we. <laughs> like, this is not financial advice. Back in 2018, when that was, if you call, that was the initial rush into crypto. And I was getting a lot of my friends calling me and saying, Colin, I just heard about, let's say, pizza coin. And everybody, everybody eats pizza. Right, this project is going to take off. I got to get in now because my 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 cousin's barber barber's uncle's brother told him to get in now. What do you think, right? And I said, look, man, you have to have certain criteria of why you're investing, and it can't be because somebody told you you must get in now. There's no rush. So in the article I wrote, I put in three key things. The first one is you must have a utility. Okay, utility means there must be a use case for the project. And that, that is true, even though most projects that are making money, or, I'm sorry, that have high value, don't have strong use cases. They have strong, I plan to do this cases, but in reality, they're not really being used yet because again, you can't go out and purchase things with cryptocurrencies. You can exchange money across across peer-to-peer to people, right? If I want to give you some money, I can use cryptocurrency to, to do that, but I can't use it um, to buy products. So the first thing is you have to have a strong use case. Second thing is the the the, the cryptocurrency creators, creator projects, they must be visible. If you go look at pizzacoin.com and you can't find who their directors are, who's working on a project, the pictures, not just names, then that may not be a good thing. You want to be able to know who is behind the project. Um, the last thing is you want you want to know that the project is viable. So again, if somebody says to you, well, what do you think about pizza coin? Everybody has to have, have pizza. Uh, how would you use that to really, how, why, would I, why would I take my US dollar buy pizza coin and then buy pizza or i can just take a u.s dollar and buy pizza directly so it has to be a project that's actually viable so those, those, those three things and then i say if you're going to invest invest using your mind logic and not using your emotions because one again if somebody tells you to to invest now 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 you're going to strike it big a lot of people back in 2018 use their rent money to invest Mm-hmm. And what happened was the money went from, let's say, $1,000, very quickly from $1,000 to 1500 What do you think they did next? They did nothing, right? They did nothing. Yeah. So when the market changed and it went down and it went from 1500 to 1400 1300 1200 1000 900 nothing, did nothing, and it lost money. Right. What smart investing says, right, if you have if you have almost if your investment has increased by 50 percent. Sell or just do something, pull out your anyway. So people weren't making good decisions. So a lot of people lost a lot of money because they don't know how to invest. 
So if you take the same tactics you use investing in traditional markets into cryptocurrencies, you will, you've been doing pretty, pretty good. Most folks have what's called FOMO. You no know FOMO? Yeah. They're yeah. missing yeah. out. They're missing out. They're missing out. And they say, wow, it's been going up so fast. If I pull my money out now, I'm going to miss out on what where it could go. Right. Mm-hmm. And they don't do anything until it falls back down to below where they invest. So a lot of people just don't make sound and wise investing decisions. So again, my thing is understanding knowing who the people are behind a project is a utility and is the project logical. And finally, don't invest with your with your with your emotions, invest with your mind. What do you use to research, um, you know, before you invest when you're looking to see if, um, like, what are some resources online that you use to find uh, the next token that you want to invest in? Yeah, one of the easiest things to do is to go to Bing, go to Google, and say, what are the top cryptocurrencies out there, right? So you get good information there. You can also go to coinmarketcap.com coinmarketcap.com they have two things they have a listing of all the top cryptocurrencies globally and if you click on a coin you can get more information i mean thousands of coins they also have listings of exchanges cryptocurrency exchanges where you can actually go and purchase these, these cryptocurrencies it's very important because a lot of cryptocurrency exchanges get hacked and people lose their their, their coin now i'm going to tell you people say you know what blockchain sucks because this this this, this exchange got hacked people lost money the blockchain didn't get hacked. The actual exchange got hacked. And that could be doing somebody giving out passwords for security, but the blockchain didn't get hacked, right? The exchange got hacked. So you want to make sure that when you go out to invest, you're going to proven um, exchanges. Coinbase is good, um, Kraken, um, um, Binance, somewhere where you know they have really, really top security. And this site's are really safe, safe to use. So uh, recently, Crow.com made a power move by changing Staples Center into Crypto.com. What do you think about that type of thing with um, certain tokens? Well, I love it. I love it. I love the fact that it's just Crypto.com, right? I love the fact that they're not putting putting it out there. It's hard for people not to see the word crypto, even though, again, people may understand the technology behind it. But I think the fact that it's coming to the mainstream to tell you something, once the movement, movement gets going, it's hard for that movement to be stopped. And I think that regardless of whether or not people understand or on my side, we think there's a lot of logic behind decisions being made, crypto, crypto is here to stay. So what do you do? Do you stand on, on, a, on a sideline and watch it and say, I don't get it, look what's going on, or do you get involved? And I think that even if you don't believe in cryptocurrencies, it's sort of like, let me try to give an example. Um, I remember, true story, back in 1995, 96, I said, oh my God, they put cameras on phones. How stupid is that? Right? <laughs> right? Right? And I was yeah. like, this is, this, is, this is crazy. And now look at where we are. It's all so about the camera here. on the phone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're paying we're for the camera. <laughs> yeah, we're seeing a movement. So I think right now, you know, most folks should just try to get involved, even if it's just a small amount of money, um, invest it, and then look at, watch it, and learn how to move it from platform to platform, learn how to play in the space. Because if, 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 if you go, if you fast forward five years, we have no idea how things are going to be. But if the last five years is an example, 
cryptocurrencies are not going anywhere and they're only getting more and more valuable. I've used it a few times. Uh, well, I used the example of, you know, from cassette tapes to MP3s or to Spotify and even just from, you know, VHS to Netflix. You know, yeah. it took yeah. some time, but nobody cares about a VHS anymore. And, you know, we definitely don't care about cassette tapes like that. So <laughs> I remember I got a laptop that had no, no um, floppy disk thing. And I was like, what the heck is this? And he got to no nah, man, now we now we're using um now we're using the the, the jump drives. Yeah. And I was like, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So 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 the best thing here now is is educating kids on cryptos because kids can jump in now and, and learn it. Um, you know, right now there's a whole NFT craze. Um kids are making their own art. Um, kids are not being able to sell their art online and NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens. And the main difference between NFTs um, is NFTs, well, NFTs, um, non-fungible tokens versus fungible tokens. So let's say, for example, uh, Bitcoin is fungible, meaning you can take one Bitcoin and buy and buy one Bitcoin, you exchange those because they're equal. One Bitcoin equals one Bitcoin. With NFTs, because in most cases they're art, right? One piece of art does not equal another piece of art. So they're non-fungible. You can't just say, I have this picture of, of Scottie Pippen. I have a picture of, of Dennis Rodman. Let's trade equal. They're not equal. They have a different value, right? right? So NFTs are a whole new craze. And we're still trying to understand the, well, let me say, I'm tr we don't need to understand the why, right? Because the why is not important. What's important is people, there is a craze going on, and how do you take advantage of being within that craze? And I think one of the reasons people are supporting NFTs is because it gives the artist more power. And I'll say that in two ways. Typically, to sell your art, you must go to an to a art house and have somebody else involved. Again, a third party must be involved. Now, art can be sold directly to a consumer. And just if I want to sell, if I'm, a, if I'm, a, if I'm the artist, I want to sell my work to you directly. I can do that. And with the use of smart contract, a smart contract, again, now we're going back to the whole ecosystem, a smart contract now because all NFTs are, are within the, I'm going to say the Ethereum type ecosystem. So now with a smart contract, it can be a smart contract. I sell, sell to you. And when you sell somebody else, I get a portion of the proceeds every time it's sold automatically right so i must not i don't have to trust you to send to me every time it's sold i automatically get a portion of, of the proceeds very powerful for artists very powerful yes i guess what are some ways that um you see nft being used besides in the creative space um well there is a new uh groundswell of trying to protect real life assets. For example, if you go, if you're a sneakerhead and you go pay a thousand dollars for a pair of sneakers, that sneaker can be embedded with either RFID, RFID, RF, excuse me, RFID ID tag, or perhaps it have a certain serial number on it. And that serial number can be tied back to an NFT, right? In the NFT, it has the ownership of that particular uh, product. Now, again, NFTs, Blockchain technology, ownership is fully traceable. Whoever whoever has the credentials, you know, owns that product. 
So in case of a robbery, in case things are stolen, you can always trace back who is the true owner of this actual physical physical product. Yeah, let me, let me add one thing also. Um, I told you before, I'm going to give you two reasons why people buy NFTs. One is to support the artist. The next one is because, and this is something that just came up a few months ago, because I was trying to put my head around why people are paying all this money, right, for art where they they they, they own a copy, right, yeah. of this, 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 digital, this digital art. Think about the, the Michael Jordan meme where he's crying at Kobe, Kobe Bryant's wedding. Um, it's a very famous meme, right? Yeah. He's crying, tears are coming down. There are millions of copies of that right now, millions of copies. There are people who want to say, yeah, there are millions of copies, but I own it. I'm the one who actually owns this actual meme. They don't care about all, all the copies. They care about being able to say, I own it. And people who have a lot of money and a lot of people who are buying and spending millions of dollars, these are recently new blockchain cryptocurrency millionaires right they made the money in the space and they're okay. investing they're investing within the space as well so people want to have what we call breaking rights yes it's copied everywhere but i'm still the actual owner of this digital piece of artwork because i've been wondering like who is buying you know this art for 69 million dollars <laughs> and why is yeah. it that much you know it's well, you know most cost maybe five dollars you know, a dollar. Mm-hmm. You can go. You can go out right now, and you can buy NFTs for, you know, a dollar. The question is, will that actually grow in value? So the, the thing about it is, your little nephew can go out and 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 open an account, create some art, and somebody can buy it. So now he doesn't have to worry about how to get my art out to the people. It's a whole marketplace now. So for our audience, can you walk them through? Let's say if they want to go buy an NFT, what would be the the process yeah so so basically and i'm going to make it very simple you want to go to an an nft marketplace i think deep deep sea so if they google and they can just type in how Open to buy how to buy nft but let's, let's say um deep sea they'll go to deep open sea thank you thank you go to open sea create an account and they'll actually walk through all the steps. The first thing they're going to do is they're going to create an account that's verified of who they are. They're going to have to then uh, find a way to transfer some cryptocurrencies into that account. Uh, and it depends on what platform you're using as to what's, what sort of uh, token uh, that they'll accept. Um, uh, in most cases, they'll accept Ethereum. Um, they'll have that token. And then they can just go through and click through different artists' pieces of work. It's very similar to going to an online learning platform and looking for registering and looking for a training course to take. It's very, very similar. You go out there, you see a piece of work, you may may bid on it, or you may actually put in a purchase price. It's very simple. But the easiest thing to do to tell everybody, the easiest thing to do is go to YouTube. Go to YouTube, type in something, and it'll show you exactly step by step by step how to do something. What's the difference between a, a crypto exchange and a crypto wallet? So a crypto exchange is where you're going to be exchanging crypto back and forth with other people or yourself in another, another wallet. So so crypto exchange, let's say you have um, Coinbase is very famous, right? Uh-huh. You have Coinbase and you have Binance. If you have an account in Coinbase, you may want to send money to somebody else who has an account on a different cryptocurrency platform like Binance. 
It's very simple and easy to take your funds, your currencies, get their address, get the wallet address, and send to their wallet. Now, within the exchange, your money is stored in an online wallet. So think of your wallet you have in your back pocket or your, or your purse, right? It's very, very similar. The difference is only you have access to this wallet. To get coins out, you must send it to another address. The address is a wallet address. So just if you want to send money to, to Classic, you must understand what is his, let's say, BTC address. He'll give you his, his receiving address. All you do is enter that address, coin goes to him. That's the exchange. The wallet itself is where you house your cryptocurrencies. And you have an online wallet. You, have, you also have an offline wallet, which is called a cold wallet. A cold wallet is very similar to an external hard drive. This is where you would then put your cryptocurrencies on that hard drive. This is the safest way to, to, to store your currency. The problem is if you lose that wallet, that, that hard drive, it's gone. It's gone. You cannot recover that. So you have what you call the online wallet. You can also have a wallet on your hard drive in your on your on your on your desktop. And then you have your cold wallet offline. So three different types of wallets. Um cold wallet hot, on a hot wallet. But I, I tell people. Use what method you think is best to secure your cryptocurrencies. Again, some exchanges get hacked, right? Now, some have insurance now. For example, if a Coinbase gets hacked, they will find ways to get your, 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 your money back maybe two years later. Who knows? The safest place is to have it on your external hard drive, but you must make sure you do not lose the hard drive or the, the key, the passwords to your hard drive. Yeah. You read my mind because I was going to ask you, what's your opinion on like whether to use a physical wallet or a cloud wallet or, um, you know, keep it in exchange. So thank you for yeah. answering. <laughs> I think everything in the cloud will be hacked one day, but the cloud yeah. wallet is different to me from a wallet on exchange. Right. So, you know, I think clouds are just, just, just waiting to be hacked. But most exchanges, top exchanges have improved security, uh, which makes it more more safe but if you have a large amount of money i would say definitely pull it down go to the bank you know rent it, sit it by the box put it in the secure and lock it up that's great advice thank you yeah i wanted to ask about um your transition from here to say shanghai how was that um <laughs> Very different topic, right? I'm sorry. Is, were we finished with the with the crypto? No, that's fine. That's fine okay. because it's, it's a different vibe, right? It's I wasn't sure vibe. how much energy, yeah, we or how much time we were running on as far yeah, as yeah, yeah. So. It's a different vibe because I'll tell you. Let me ask like this: a lot of black people who come to to China uh, for a number of years for for a year, they have hard hard time going back to the U.S. Um, the U.S. is a great country. I, I love it. My favorite, favorite place to be. But you heard stories about the World War II veteran, the black um, 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 soldiers who would go to Europe and fall in love and see freedom, and they had to come back to the U.S. It's, it's the same thing. Here in China, um, we feel very, very free. I say we. We are you know, very, very free. Um, there's not some of the same yokes of, of I call it PTSD, post-traumatic slavery disorder. You don't feel it as much here because people view you differently. Um, so it's it's been a breath of fresh air, which is probably I've been here for so long. Um, it's great. People here really accept you as a foreigner. 
um, you're not not under some of the same stereotypes that you are in the U.S. And I've never experienced that before, before coming here. So it's hard to go back to the U.S. and experience that the moment the plane lands back, back in the U.S. So it's been very good. Um, also, um, Shanghai is, is, a, is a city that's expanding and growing. I want to say um, between 25 and 30 million, 30 million people here. So it's very, very big. Um, there's new technologies. Um, people here are great. You have a good foreigner, foreigner base here. Uh, so it's been, it's been great. You know, I've been here. I have a, I have a, a two and a half year old son, a four month year old daughter. Uh, I have a Chinese wife. Nice. She's been married about five years now. So things are going very comfortable here. Congratulations on your success there. Thank you. Yeah. Well, before we get ready to close it out, um, is there anything you'd like to share about some upcoming projects that you're working on with our audience or the links to? Where, where they, they can, can find you. Yeah, so this is not um, related to cryptocurrencies, but last year, as you know, uh, in the United States, Juneteenth became a federal holiday. Yes. Uh, so here in Shanghai, a few of us uh, got together and decided before it became a holiday, we wanted to have the first, hopefully annual, Juneteenth event here in Shanghai. So last year, we were able to pull off on Juneteenth. And we had, I want to say, up to 150 people come and join us. And it was supported by the U.S. consulate here. Great, great event. This year, wow. we're doing it again. And this will be the second annual Juneteenth event in, in China, right? And we have even more support by the U.S. consulate. We're going from, I want to say, a venue last year that could hold about 200 people to now an outdoor event. We're planning to have upwards of 500 to 600 people. So um, we're going to make sure we do a lot of promotion for this, a lot of advertising for this, and we want to make sure that some parts of this is going to be available post online. Now, one thing we're doing is different. We also have, I want to say, the, the National Black, National HBCU Art Alliance. I for, I'm not sure of the actual um Acronym, but I'll send it to you later. You can put it in, in, in some notes. Okay. We're now also going to have touring here in China during the month of June. Um, 30 pieces of work from artists who went to HBCUs. So that is a, nice. a tremendous um, activity here for the month of June to support Juneteenth. And again, I will I will provide more information on that. But we're trying to really, uh, what's the word, bring the local China community up to speed and aware of the history of African-Americans in the United States. And the, the best time of year for us to do that is around Juneteenth. So I wanted to share that project. Okay, yeah, we'll definitely take that into consideration. Last year, I remember the first effect of the holiday. I was trying to get my passport, <laughs> and it was closed on that day. Federal, yeah, it was yeah. the first time they closed. I was like, ah, out of all days, I guess, but... Yeah. <laughs> real, I mean, it's real, right? It's a real holiday then. Yeah. <laughs> so I definitely remember that exact day last year. We were going to Mexico. So that's something. Was it say June? Yeah, we'll have to take June 19th. Yeah. Yeah, we'll have to look look around for that. That sounds yeah. fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh I guess uh, let the uh listeners know where they can find you. Um yeah, so I am on LinkedIn, um, Colin C. Thompson. You can also go to um, my website, O-L-I-G-Y-E dot com, O-L-I-G 
GYE.com. Also, as it relates to exchange, you can go to exchange, X-C-H-A-I-N-Z, like two chains, dot I-O, xchainz.io. Okay, and we'll have the links below as well. Yeah, we'll have all the information in the description. And for the listeners, you can find the podcast at americangypsy.com. And we also have merch at luamli.com. Yes, and again, Colin, thank Thank you you so much for sharing so much valuable information with us, also with our audience. One of the reasons for the the platform is, you know, for us to learn and also for others to learn what we're interested in as well. So, yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And one one last comment to listeners. If you're curious about blockchain cryptocurrencies, most people are more curious about cryptocurrencies. Put your foot in the water, right? Go to YouTube, learn how to how to purchase a little bit, purchase a little bit and leave it alone for one year. Right. No matter what happens. Leave it alone for one year and learn how the market works. Learn how to use the platform. Do that for one year, and by this time next year, you'll be a much wiser cryptocurrency owner. Yeah, because I see it like a new savings account. You know, so yeah. yeah, I've learned a lot just from being in the space. Um, just even learning different um, different uh currencies that are not even on some of these larger exchanges and um it's been a learning, learning about different I learned from her so <laughs> I'm I'm in yeah. I'm in it pretty good. There's now. one project there's one project I want I want to have a called Guap Coin. So Guap Coin G U A P coin. Have you heard of it? No, I, I haven't. haven't heard of that one. Yeah so Guap Coin was started by um Miss Evans probably back in gosh two thousand maybe 2018, and it's a cryptocurrency created to amplify the economic voice of our culture. So it is a Black-owned cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency, and it's really to make sure that within the Black community, in our ecosystem, we have a currency we're using amongst ourselves. So she's on a mission to get more, to get more, vend- more commercial places to accept the coin. So guapcoin, G-U-A-P-coin.com, um, it's been really growing over the last few years. It's, you're not going to find it on a lot of the major, major, major exchanges, but but if you go to the website, you will find where to buy it and support this project. Because again, one thing that we we, we do have, we we are very much misrepresented in the blockchain space, the crypto space. So anytime you can support a a a black coin, I would say do it. Definitely, definitely. definitely thank you for sharing. That. Yeah, yeah, thank you for sharing that with us. Again, to our listeners, thank you again for supporting, for pressing like, pressing or commenting, and also following, subscribing, even for donating. We thank you. Um, We love you. Consistent self-improvement to everybody, and have a nice day. A good night. Peace. Peace.